Blog Talk Radio. When I was five, hired out to watch a baby And he beat me when he cried I consider that too much of a price Even though I'm thick-skinned, some of the scars Stay with me for life I ain't never been the type to spin around to the other cheese Putting up a fight to me and my people's all are free Four brothers, four sisters, thick family I'm the fourth child, you following mathematically God's in my veins, I can feel it in my soul Three older sisters never seen again when they were sold When they came for my brother, my mom's made them a promise Whoever tried to take him, she split and open your noggin Mommy was a rider Spiritual advisor Security provider That's why I'm alive wire When they ain't take my brother I felt the power inside of me Influenced by the moment I'll never settle for slavery Heavy metal weight In my head as a teen Now with seizures Narcolepsy and strange dreams From the tribe of Asante Through grandma Modesty Being free Holding my own Just a part of me You thinking about coming after me Better bring your faculty 20 miles away Before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train And it's Something like traffic. I'm happy as a conductor. I ain't never lost a passenger. I'm plotting on my escaping. I'm married and feeling patient. I'm outie with no debating. You silly for conversating. I'm breaking and while you waiting and I'll make it. I'll be sure to get the safest route to travel and be back for you with space. September 17th, 1849. Me and my brothers Henry and Ben said it's mine. So we left for Maryland. Headed towards Freedom Land. But they feet chill lead up. So we turned around and went back to the owners. Believe me, I didn't wanna. Had I knew my brothers were Scared with in the bottom A little while later, man, I ran away again But this time straight dolo fan backs to the wind In the middle of the night, in the winter and the cold I was navigating on the underground railroad Nah, it ain't a literal train It's a form of resistance Just with the railroad theme So a station's a safe house where the runaways go And the runaway slaves are considered cargo The person who hit them considered a station master And the stockholders, the one who will put the cash up Me, I'm the conductor I transported the cargo routes that I took remain secret I took an old boss of my train you get on There is no rebelling grown man said he turning back and I had to tell him Fam, why you had me bring the metal out? Cock it back, point it at your head and bring the devil out There's no going back, besides you gonna snitch And I'll kill you where you stand before you sing behind the whip Running from slave catchers, a bounty on my head Until my whole fam free, I don't really care Had a 10 year span with 19 or so trips I done free so many slaves they calling me Moses during the Civil War Because of my skills, I became the first woman to lead an armed assault I am Harriet Tubman, you need to fall back a conductor I never ran my train off the track You thinking about coming after me, better bring your faculty 20 miles away before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train and it's something like traffic I'm Harriet the conductor, I ain't never lost a passenger liked it too talking about that was called titled the conductor talking about harriet tugman once again that was brother larry lope henderson from back in my old stomping grounds in brooklyn new york welcome to our own voices live 
I have to admit, I'm actually pumped up today. I, okay, I am pumped up because the title of our show is simply women, and we're going to talk about women today. Uh, normally our show is like 90 minutes to two hours sometime if it gets good. But I just got through talking, chatting, texting. I'm not sure what the proper terminology is. Uh, with some sisters in straight talk, no fronting, and they asked a question on grits, salt or sugar. Now, I just happen to be a lightly salted, lightly peppered with some butter type of guy, but then they got into shrimp and grits, fish and grits, cilantro and grits, uh, for my Norden, they got into the sugar and grits and the honey and grits, which I don't do. That's cream of wheat. But all that to say, <laughs> I'm starting to show off hungry. And for you ladies out there, let me tell you, the way to a man's heart, even if it's just the friendship side, is still through his stomach. And I'm about to go make me a sign and go on the corner of Rancho and Washington talking about I will work for some shrimp and grits. So anyway, I'm kind of in a good mood today. Welcome to Our Own Voices Live. This is your host, Rodney Smith. Hopefully my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, will be joining us shortly. But, yes, I am fiending for some grits right now. And I I have grits on the mind. But we're going to try to talk about Women today, and of course, as I say, women. I know it's pro- I probably shouldn't, but I thought I I did think about my grandmother fixing me some grits because uh, my grandmother meant the world to me, and she was in the kitchen cooking. And maybe that's why when I think of women, one of the things I think of is food. I think of cooking. And now, one of the reasons why I think of food though is because food is life, and I associate life with women. Bring us into the world. Most of the times they're still in the world when we leave because we tend to die before them. So, yes, they sustain us through life with their love, their affection, their caring, their support, their encouragement. But they help us make it through the day with food. And, yes, I'll admit, I know some people say that's chauvinist, it's sexist. Some people might even say it's misogynistic, and that's okay. Give us a call, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, and tell us, what do you think of when you think of women? Whatever it is, I would love for you to share that with us today as we share for you. A little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a blog talk radio show that comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. on the East Coast. And we try to talk about things that are relevant to you. A little bit more about Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in our mission is to help bridge the cultural and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And we do it through obviously shows like our own voices live, the weekly gathering that we have at the West side bistro inside of Nevada park at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard in North Las Vegas uh, we're actually going to start a game night 
the gathering, our own voices in conjunction with the Sam Smith Education Foundation. We're going to start a game night, and our first game night is going to be next Saturday. That's right. Mark it on your calendar. Next Saturday at TC's Rib Crib. Next Saturday at TC's Rib Crib. I think we're going to try to get there around 7 o'clock. And there's this new game that is fun, and it guarantees that you will learn at least two new vocabulary words. Not just say them, but learn them. So we're going we're gonna to have game night. Uh, we have the annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. candlelight vigil. Uh, we also have a w- monthly uh, Dr. King statue and pavilion cleanup headed by my home girl, the one and only Mrs. Angela Thomas. And that is uh, on uh, the third Saturday, 10 a.m. at the Dr. King statue on the corner of Cary and Martin Luther King Boulevard. And there's other things. Uh, last night, Sankofa uh, was at the West Las Vegas Art Center and retired Nevada State Senator Joe Neal was the presenter. And let me tell you, for those of you who missed that, you missed a treat. Joe Neal, I believe he's one of our octogenarians, and this brother was he made black political Nevada and black politics in Las Vegas. This man is the one who laid the foundation. An awesome history lesson. Uh, he, he's sharp, and, he, I mean, he has dates. He has names. Ah, I, I wish I would have recorded it. It was just a beautiful beautiful presentation of our history, how one person can make a difference, and how each person has an obligation and each generation has an obligation to lay the, lay the foundation and then put a rung on the ladder. And then it's not to talk about what wasn't done, but then it's to how you can put your rung, how you can add your rung on the ladder. On the ladder. It was really just an inspiring uh, time that we had last night. So those are some of the things that we do with our own voices, a part of the Speak Up Network. Of course, a part of that Speak Up Network is we have Real Radio with uh, Brother Levon back in the Far East in Maryland. We have Brother Thomas Berry up in ooh, the Great White North, Midwest in Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. And uh, he has Rant Radio. And, of course, we have my homegirl, Mrs. Angela Thomas with Needle on the Record. So that's a part of the Speak Up Network. And, of course, we have Terrestrial Radio with uh, Brother Franklin G., really Franklin Burley, who has Like It Is Radio on Fridays at 10 o'clock on uh, KCEP FM 88.1 on your radio dial. So that gives you a little bit about us. But today we're going to talk about women. And, of course, I'm glad that my co-host is here because obviously she is a woman who can add some vital input to it. Hey, Angela, welcome to the show. Hey, Rodney, thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. You know, today, well, this is the first Saturday of Women's History Month, but today is a special day to me. Today is the birthday of my oldest grandson. He is a magnificent young man, and, you know, he made me a mother to the second power. That's what I call grandmothers. When you reach grandmother's, status you are a mother to the second power you know you you, you multiply and, and go up a ladder in your mother in your mothering so i just want to say happy birthday to my 
my my first grandchild, Yeshia, Xavier Orr. Yeah. He is the light. Yeah. uh, Yeshia Xavier Orr is the light uh, of my life. Well, one of them. I have a lot of magnificent grandsons, but he's the first. He's the first one to make me all mushy and say yes to everything and see (laughs) all right in the world because he he exists. So, you know, don't start me. I'll start crying. I can't believe he's 12 years old today and, you know, off the clock. This is the last number on the clock. I can't believe it. He's he's such a, a fine young man, super intelligent and, you know, working towards becoming a doctor like his grandfather. All right now. And yeah. how old is he? He's 12. He's had aspirations right. to be a doctor since he was like five. His grandfather was OBGYN in Hilton Head, South Carolina. So, you know, he was little. He had the opportunity to tag his, you know, follow follow behind uh, his grandfather, Dr. Orr. And, you know, he said he wants to follow in his footsteps and, and uh, heal people and make them feel better. So, you know, we work towards that goal. Hmm. Now, it's interesting because Hilton Head, South Carolina, is really not too far from uh, my original uh, hometown. And there's mm-hmm. quite a lot of history uh, surrounding that area and uh, uh, slave settlement. So uh, it's a very uh, interesting place. And uh, it should be uh, just just saying that actually sort of inspires me because of some of the things that are associated with that. Well, a big shout out to the young man to be, the doctor to be, and uh, yeah. you know that that is important. But you know, Angela, you talked about your role as a as a grandmother. You said it was a mother to the second power, and you know, I I thought it. You know, which today's topic is is women, and really yep. because it, like you said, it is Women's History Month, and anything about women we want to talk about. And grandmothers to me is a great place to start because grandmothers have played, and I guess they still do, but I do think the role that they play today is different, and I'm going to even suggest diminished from the role that it used to play in our, and this is a general statement, it's not saying any specific person, this is just in general, I I believe that the role of the grandmother is somewhat overlooked and diminished from uh, what it used to be, and I, but I think it's a vital role, and I and I hear about it. Absolutely the that you is. Do and it absolutely the is. So break, talk, talk about grandmother well, and the difference between grandmother and mother from your perspective. Well, I, you know, I want to start that com- this conversation with a conversation I had with my second grandchild, Mikael, Yeshaya's younger brother. Uh, this, this, they're staying at my home for the next couple of weeks because they're moving from Las Vegas to Dallas. And I was talking to him about my cameras. He was in my office and he was admiring some of my cameras. I have a lot of cameras in my in my home. Uh, my grandmother worked for 25 years, 30 years for Imperial Camera Company. She uh, manufactured cameras for a living. And she was the she not only put them together, but she was also the um, tester of the cameras, which meant that she could bring cameras home, and often did. Uh, and it was my job to just have as much fun 
as I could with them on the weekend, taking them around, taking pictures. And I was, he was looking at my cameras in my office, and I showed him the last camera that my grandmother gave me that she made by her own hands at Imperial Camera, Company, uh, Camera Factory. I still have, and it's in my living room. So I went downstairs and got the camera, and I told him that my grandma ear, and I showed him a picture of my grandmother, which is prominently displayed in my home, um, made this camera. She made cameras for a living. So it's interesting. You know, it's 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 kind of apropos that you have an interest in cameras because, you know, it kind of runs in the family. Uh, I told him that she, you know, she made cameras for a living, and I play with cameras every weekend. And that fueled me to going to film school and getting my education in film. And um, I love cameras. I still love cameras. And, um, you know, I started to teach him some things about the uh, Nikon DSLR, but he wanted to know more about my grandmother and her uh, working in the factory. So I told him all I knew and, you know, told him about the camera that uh, I have in my living room and showed him the film, the type of film that the camera takes and, you know, showed him some samples of pictures that this camera still is able to take. It's still The camera still uh, is functional and operational. And I, say, I, I share that story to say that mothering, mothering to the second power is, is just such an important role. You don't know your future unless you know your past. And being able to provide a, a view into what it was like for me as a child and what my grandmother's mothering was like for him this week, you know, it just it made me cry. It made me uh, just very sentimental. It made me miss her even more than I already miss her. Because I know she would have gotten she would have gotten a kick out of my grandsons. Uh, she actually got to see Yeshaya born, but she died, you know, not long after Yeshaya's um, arrival. And you know, I just felt her presence this week. So to the difference between grandmothering and 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 mothering is that you become so much more aware of the power of your personal history, how important it is to pass your personal history on to your young people, no matter what it is, no matter how how nil you think it is. It means so much to a young person to know where they come from, know why they may have an interest in a certain thing, that it goes back in the tree, as my grandmother would say. Um so you know, it made him, it made my grandson Mikael even more interested in wanting to, uh, you know, develop his develop uh, some photography stuff. So I ended up buying him some beginner photography uh, classes online this week just to get him started in you know his journey of uh, taking pictures. So you know, grandmother is vital. Yeah, as you as you were speaking about that, I was talking about all uh, many of the things that grandmother means to me. 
uh, you know, just the idea of grandmother. Uh, obviously, grandmother is is a woman. Uh, that's a part of the, the name, or at least for the time being, as you know, we do live in a changing society and don't know how that will impact uh, the grandmother. But, but grandmother is, is a woman. And I think of mother, which is we often talk about our mothers, and our mothers in society are definitely in a position and a place of honor. And obviously, mothers are, are women. But if we go back a little bit further, and when we think about grandmother, which is a woman, the unique position that they had in the home as well as in general society. What I'm talking about is years, generations ago, the way that families were a lot different from families today. As a matter of fact, what we call a family today, I'm not even sure if it would have been referred to as a family or that was not a thought of a family. It was something a lot different. And what I'm saying is that a family typically was multiple generations living under one roof. And sort of at the top of the, 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 the pecking order of the family was mm-hmm. the, the grandmother. Now, some of you say, well, really it's the grandfather, isn't it? Well, I guess technically it was the grandfather as the senior male because they were very much into uh, the uh, male head of, of house, but in functionality, it was really the grandmother. And the grandmother sort of set the, the pace and, and the tune for everything. The grandmother is the one who typically raised the grandchildren. And it wasn't until some years later in some study that I actually found out the importance of the grandmother raising the grandchildren and why the grandchildren tended to come out better than the children. So let me let me rock with you on this one. <laughs> so when a mother who was typically young and fairly unexperienced in life and in child rearing, obviously, would have a child, they didn't know much. And without the grandparents, it was sort of learning as they go, which was trial and error. And there would be a lot of error. Now, this is the unique role of the grandparent and something that I'm going to encourage you all to, to really consider. Because what would happen is that the mother went back to work fairly quick. And when I'm talking about work, no, she may not have gone out with a pail and and, and some and some boots on to go punch a clock someplace. But it was really in a, it was in a, mostly an agrarian society, and so people were farmers. And so there was, uh, you know, to to run a house first of all is a job in That's modern that right. times, but even more so back then. Because when you think of washing clothes today, you think of throwing some clothes in a, in a washing machine and taking them out and put them in the dryer just right next to it, hit the button, and go do something else. And then after it's done, you fold and hang up the clothes. 
and you say how how tired you are from washing all those clothes, right? That that's the concept of washing clothes. But how about this stuff? They had to go get the water or go down to the stream, depending on what time frame we're talking about. Heat the water after starting the fire, and maybe making the soap. Oftentimes based on lye And Almost cooking slash cleaning the clothes And they had a, we, they had a scrub board I don't know if y'all know what a scrub board is But it was like a flat uh, Board with Wrinkly sections in it In more modern times But still primitive today It was some type of uh, I think polyurethane And they would scrub it And they would oftentimes they would beat the clothes on rock now, I'm just trying to give you a hint of just in a spot. We pretty much take for granted the day of washing clothes, how simple it is today, but how much work it was back then. Or let's take cooking a meal, preparing a meal, because, the, you know, it's usually a large family. They have to eat. Somebody has to prepare the food while the people out there breaking the ground with a plow, whether they're walking behind a mule or they're pulling the plow themselves. So it was very laborious work for the men as well as the women. And those men had to be fed because really they were the energy, excuse me, the engine of the farm and they needed energy. And that energy came from the food that the women would prepare. Now in the preparation of that food, the the women may have had to go out there and chase the chicken, uh, snap its neck, uh, de-feather the chicken, um, burn the hairs off of the chicken, uh, scale the chicken, use the hot water to scald the chicken to get the rest of the, the feathers off, butcher the chicken, and then eventually get to cooking the chicken. So think about how we cook the chicken today. Oftentimes, the chicken is already butchered, de-feathered, and obviously you didn't have to chase it around and snap his neck, right? And you throw it in the oven that you just turn a, a knob and it fires up or a stove if you're doing some fried chicken. So you can see how much work was involved, right? So while that mother was doing all of that to help the farm run, oftentimes the children were with the grandparents and specifically the grandmother. So that freed up the mother to do that labor, okay? That was important. But here's the piece that I think is very germane today, very relevant and something that we should consider when we're thinking of starting a family. And President Obama is a great example of it. Because when you raise your children, you have never, usually you have never raised children before unless you've been in a, a unique circumstance. Like I said, it's trial and error. And most of the time we're separated from our elders. And our communities are not, robust and intimate communities as they were yesteryear. So you're sort of on your own raising your children. Pretty much when you go in your house or your apartment, you are apartmentalized from everyone else, and that's sort of how we stay, as most of us don't know our neighbors today, at least here in Las Vegas. But the grandmother has raised you, and no matter how good or not you think she has done, she has that experience. She has corporate knowledge, 
and from that corporate knowledge, the errors and the mistakes that she may have made with you, she has learned, and it's a good possibility that she is not going to make those mistakes with her grandchild. Cause of that, inherently, our grand, with each successive generation, the children actually became better. They learned more. They learned it quicker because the grandmother who had all of this knowledge was able to impart it to them. And, of course, in doing so, obviously the mother wasn't totally hands-off on the child because at some point she would come back in and she worked with the grandparent because, you know, they, they needed some rest. So you see President Obama and Mrs. Obama in the White House, you know, their children were obviously eight years younger than they are now, or at least seven years younger. And what he did, I thought, was one of the best examples that he could set for us, the country in the White House, is he invited his mother-in-law, because his mother has passed, he invited his mother-in-law to live with he, his wife, and his children in the White House with a part of her responsibility as helping to raise the children. Brilliant and a great example to the rest of us. And it shows the power of the bully pulpit. So, Angela, being that you are the only female between the two of us and the only grandmother, what do you think about the importance of children and grand? Uh, parents living near one another as far as creating a healthy environment to raise children? I'm asking that because you have the, you know, you have the experience. So, Angela, what do you think of uh, the importance and the significance of grandparents being there to help raise the grandchildren? I think it's vital. I also think parents today kind of enjoy being their own island. They like having, you know, they have this extended family. They have grandmothers and grandfathers, but they don't utilize them as much as uh, my parents did. The kids aren't... um, at least in in my experience, I, I literally have to pencil myself in their schedule to get time with them. So when I get them, it's very precious. With my uh, five grandsons moving to Dallas in the next couple of weeks, you know, at the end, the older boys will be here to the end of the school year, but my little boys, you know, probably will be going before the school year ends. And um, I just think that we should. Um, team up more. Use your res. I, I would like to encourage young, the parents today to use their resources more. Grandparents are so vital, not just because they've lived longer than you. They've, they've, which means they've had more experiences than you. But just, it's so many stresses in the world today. So expensive for everything. Every, uh, every child activity costs. An arm and a leg. I have one that's a uh, and a part of a majorette. T 
team and you know it's it's upwards of three hundred dollars to to start on the on as a majorette on the team and um just even their academic pursuits are so expensive today, but there is vital uh, treasure that they don't get to access as as much as they probably should, which is you know their their family their their grandparents and got so much information to share and information to give i I started you know this this conversation with a story about a conversation I had this week with my grandson about my grandmother all stem you know all all based around you know cameras and her life as a a camera camera manufacturer and you know just how much film means to me and how much I love cameras and just passing that on to him and you know subsequently buying him some lessons to learn how to um you know just learn the basics of 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 handling the camera and taking great pictures um that wouldn't have happened if we weren't spending time together and having conversations about his art. He, this child is also a great artist. He's an outstanding academic student. He's a part of the GATE program here. Um, that program, that academic program will follow him, you know, throughout his life all over the country. His father was a uh, a, a GATE alumni and you know his mother was a, a, also a uh academically talented child and participated in many um advanced classes and advanced uh academic activities but he wouldn't know that if he didn't have you know the access of grandparents and you know us warehousing those stories so, you know, it's it's vitally important to a young person to be able to access their grandparents if they're blessed to still have their grandparents around. You know, I was a teen mother, Rodney, so no one told me about the silver lining, you know, because it kind of, you know, it's, it's looked at as a, as a dark cloud to choose life, and it's at a time in your life where you may not have, you know, all of the skills and and information that you need to bring up a young person. But, you know, no one talks about the silver lining in teen parenting, which which usually means that you're going to be a young grandparent. And, you know, I watch every week on PBS uh, Finding Your Roots, uh, Henry Louis Gates program where he, you know, builds out a family tree and digs up those stories for folks who um, don't have, you know, the the information about their family and their lineage. What what impresses me about that pro what what's impressed upon me uh, with that program is that everything affects the family tree. 
my great grandmother was born in Chicago. I didn't have a big a big mama to go down south to in the summer like a lot of my friends did in Chicago. My great grandmother was born in Chicago, which meant my grandmother was born in Chicago. So when I moved to Las Vegas, I did not realize how how that would impact the tree. How that impacts the tree, the family tree. And you know, those census records will now pick up my story here in Nevada, pick up my brother's story and his family's story in, in California. Um, very interesting how these things affect and impact one another. So we're talking about, now we just happen to be talking about grandparents here and the relationship that grandparents have to do, and specifically uh, grandmothers, and the importance of having grandmothers involved in the family. We talked briefly about the laborious history and work that was pretty much a woman's role. And roles were pretty much defined, uh, really, in not that too distant of a past with women. You were pretty much going to grow up and be a housewife uh, with very few options. Now, in various times throughout history, women have definitely filled various roles. We know that in even in Egypt, we know that Egypt we had a female pharaoh uh, in Egypt. Many people may not be uh, aware of that, but we know that we've had uh, queens who sometimes were heads of state uh, just because of various things that happened with the king. So women have always played many different roles throughout history, but in general, women were pretty much in, you know, they were they were the mothers, they were uh, the ones who took care of the house and primarily primary caregivers of the family. Uh, they they may sometimes uh, branch out and in the medical field as nurses later on. Uh, now, of course, some people say, well, you know, there was uh, African uh, queens who led their kingdoms in war, and that is all true. But that was the exception and not the rule. So when we think of women, they have been pretty much in the same occupation from one century into the next the same level of expectation of them from one generation to the next, which really was grow up and get, grow up, get married, have children, raise a family. Right. That was it. There was no and or after. That was just it. I mean, think about it. It really wasn't that long ago that women got the right to vote. It wasn't like when this country was created, women inherently had the right to vote. That was something that took a movement to bring about. And believe it or not, African slaves actually had the right to vote before women. Now that, now of course, you know, let's not get it twisted. Uh, Jim Crow sort of countermanded that right to vote, but 
as far as legally, we still Africans and African men got that right to vote before women did. And that was a part of the uh, 19th Amendment uh, that gave to the Constitution, that gave the women the right to vote. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Believe it or History not, is so it vital. wasn't until 1920 that women were guaranteed the right to vote. Now, many people may talk about the Niagara Movement and, and I believe it was in 1909. Somebody help me out. And all of that led up to it. But as far as the actual rights, women got the right to vote through the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, and that was in 1920. So we're talking, so let me do some quick math here. That was 1920. This is 2016. Now, Angela, if I'm, if I'm doing my math right, that's telling me that women have not had the right to vote 100 years in this country. Not yet. That, I mean, that is amazing. To look at us now, I don't know if people realize just how recent a woman's right to vote is and how much difference that has made in not only politics in general, but also in this country. Because that gave us another perspective on whatever is being mentioned. Uh, men tend to see things as they see them, and women see things as they see them. Yes, there is overlap, and you know there are similarities, but there are a lot of differences. So by giving, by women having the right to vote, we actually strengthen our country because it increased our brain trust in the decision making. So a woman's right to vote is diffused. And that's just one of the contributions that women have made. Yes, I still say that if there had been no women, there would be, you know, once men came on the planet, even if there was a bunch of us that was molded out of clay, we probably wouldn't have survived because we would have had no women. And women make things happen. They keep things happening. They uh, encourage. Yes, they tend to have nurturing. But, you know, when people say that, sometimes nurturing in women now is almost like a bad phrase. And what Mm. I tell people is, but it's kind of natural, though. So why would something natural be seen as something weak? We know that there are chemicals in women and hormones that are at different levels in women than in men, and it causes different uh, action. And those are natural. And it's not something to sort of see as a weakness or reject. Now, of course, I'm not a woman, so I'm just speaking on me being on the outside. You all may differ, (laughs) but I think that the nurturing of a woman is something that's needed for our for our race of people as far as the human race, because technically there's only one race, but different topics. But for us as humans to be able to survive, we we need that nurturing of women. Can you imagine if men, from a man's perspective, raised children? What kind of kids would we have? Of course, now it would be like, what kind of adults would we have? Because they were raised by a bunch of men. 
All right, stop crying. Didn't I say stop crying? <laughs> when I come back, you better be stop crying. For I mean, sure. We're just, we're just different. So, again, women, the right to vote has been less than 100 years. And as we speak about the right to vote, just to show how far we have come, though, now some people say, yeah, we came a long ways, but it sure took us a long ways to get here, too. It's like those Hebrews in the desert for 40 years, and they really didn't have to go that far. We are <laughs> potentially about to make history if Hillary Clinton becomes the Democratic nominee for president. We will we will make history because she will be the first Democratic. She'll be the first nominee of any party for the highest office in the land. Now, I'm not advocating for Mrs. Clinton one way or the other. I'm just stating, showing you women and why we have a Women's History Month is because it's very similar to why we have a Black History Month. It's because it spotlights the accomplishments of a group that may not otherwise have those accomplishments in light. And as I was reading on one of the reasons why we have a Women's History Month, I thought, you know, this is the same thing we've been saying about Black History Month. It's the same thing. And I, I want to see if I can find it. Okay, so this is this is one of the quotes that I posted. It says, women, each time a girl opens a book and reads a womanless history, she learns she is worth less. And that's by Myra Pollock Satcher. And then it, 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 uh, the, another uh, writing says, history helps us learn who we are, but when we don't know our history, our power and dreams are immediately diminished. Now, that's what it says about women. But you could just as easily, and we just had Black, Black History Month, instead of it saying each time a girl opens a book, you could say each time a African American opens a book and reads an African American less history, they learn they are what worthless. I mean see, it's just a matter of changing a few nouns around. And it's the same thing. And it is amazing how some people who may read this about women's history month may not be able to transpose that to Black History Month. And conversely, some people who can read it and see that for Black History Month may not be able to see the importance of it for Women's History Month. And it is true, actually the same thing. It's, uh, it's the same concept. So women have only had the right to vote for less than 100 years in America. There has been no woman head of state, and we've had women as secretary of state. But when it comes to the head sheds, we have had no woman. 
and nor have the parties had a woman as their lead into the presidential uh, campaign, and we may have one in Mrs. Clinton. And on that note, let's take a brief um, station ID. Uh, welcome, everyone. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a weekly blog talk radio show that comes here every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. And that would be 3.30 on the East Coast. And we want to send a big shout-out to all of our East Coast listeners uh, back in New York, the Big Apple, back in Carolina, the Tar Heel State. Uh, of course, uh, our folks in the D, uh, in Detroit, uh Michigan, uh, our folks back in the Windy City, where Angela hails. Happy birthday to Chi-Town. We are now 179 years old. Hey, hey. (laughs) Hey, you just uh, gave me some trivia I wasn't aware of. Yes, our birthday was yesterday, and Chicago, the city, is 179 years old. Okay, well, hey, see, you learned it right here. <laughs> so Love my city. When we think of, all right, so. And it's Women's History now, Month, you know, shout out to Mrs. O'Leary and her cows, you know. Exactly, because when I think <laughs> of Chicago, what do we think about? We think about that fire, and we think about burning everything down, and, you know, we think about that. I do at least. <laughs> Maybe it's a shot out there. Yeah, well, hey, that's that's what we hear. Uh, that's that's what I uh, growing up. That's what we were taught. And if you didn't learn nothing else, that's one of the things that you learn. Mm-hmm. Great city would so, be perfect if it weren't for winter, but you know, they gotta have winter. So, whatever. Well, and, and I say the good thing about their winter is helping increase the black population here in Las Vegas. We do have a large number of people uh, from Chicago that come here because they're tired of that weather uh, back there. I tell you, it is a lot. It's a lot to take. You know, know, the the earth is warming up. Global warming is kicking in. You know, the the winters have gotten longer and, and more intense. So, yeah. And when we talk about women, you know, we hear about Martin Luther King. We hear about Mega Evers. But what about uh, Marley Evers, the, uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Evers? Uh, what about Coretta Scott King? I mean, think about Coretta Scott King for a moment as we're talking about women. Coretta Scott King, how, ma- how many women do you call by all three of their names? How many women do you? How many women do you know? That you actually say Coretta Scott King Or whatever, whatever, whatever Not many Her and my grandmother We Everybody called my grandmother All of her names, Ira Mae Wams Like as if it was one name <laughs> So it not many not, It is not the norm That we Refer to someone by. I mean of course When it comes to males we do But most of them are serial killers So nothing remarkable there right but, <laughs> but as a matter of fact, if somebody introduces us as a man, I'm introduced to him with all three names. I'm thinking, hmm, I'm keeping my eye on you. But when, <laughs> when with 
women is Coretta Scott King. Now, who calls her Coretta? Now, maybe close family members do, right? But for the most right. of us, it's Coretta Scott King. And one of the reasons for that, and this is something that young people, again, may miss out on, is because even though Dr. King gets the accolades, but he met Coretta Scott. She was really the person that was in the big time. She was a world-class musician. Musician. Mm-hmm. He also held her own in the civil rights movement. As an activist. Absolutely. And it was Betty. the joining of the two forces that actually, I believe, is really what caused the kickoff of the civil rights movement as far as Martin was concerned. Absolutely. Same with Sister Betty Shabazz. Um, she was a prolific activist in her own right. Before and when you think of Marley, Ed, Marley Evers, you know, so when we think about, you know, that old saying about every great man there's a great woman. Well, in these mm-hmm. great men's cases, that is true. As a matter of fact, the absolutely women... True. Men, may have eclipsed the men if it was today versus yesterday. So mm-hmm. when you think that women, so when you think about it, women have had the right to vote for less than 100 years. We've already said that. So in 19, in the early 1960s and the, the 50s, women did not, especially in the 50s, the early 19, 1950s, women had not had the right to vote for 50 years. But those black women were out there helping the men and walking in the protest line with them. As a matter of fact, oftentimes the women were near the front. Now, the, there was there was strategy associated with that because the idea is that if you have women in the front, maybe they won't be brutalized as much. Later, the strategy was, um, it's unfortunate, but we need to show the world just how brutal this white supremacy and dominance is because they will even attack women. So women almost, women literally sacrifice themselves for the greater good of the movement. You see the same thing with children. Uh, and, of course, some people may not know there were good whites, and many whites oftentimes were in the front too. And sometimes whites went in early with women, and oftentimes it was groups of women who were victimized and brutalized as well. So women have always played a vital role. Everything that men have done and all that you've seen men get accolades for, there was usually women doing something similar, could have done it, or as a good possibility they were pushing the men to do it. As you read the story of Dr. King, oftentimes his rejuvenation was coming home to his family and to his woman, Coretta Scott King. Now, women today, and as we compare to women yesteryear, Angela, what would you say are some of the distinct changes slash improvements of life for women today versus when you were coming up and for sure earlier on in history? Hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't say technology. Technology has impacted all of our lives on 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 several fronts. I mean, as you mentioned earlier in this broadcast, just the process of washing clothes 
um, is drastically different because of technology. Um, so the biggest change for all of us, women and men alike, has been the impact of technology on our lives. You know, I was I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about some things that we probably wouldn't talk about that much, and I was thinking about the life of women. I, I like to do a sort of a comparison and contrast of, of people years ago, decades, centuries ago, compared to today. Hmm. And there is a biological thing that happens with women younger women on a monthly basis. And years ago, when that happened, women were somewhat ostracized from the rest of society, from their families. And it's usually for seven days. Now, there's only 30 days in the month on average. Of course, we just had 29 with February and leap year. And the leap year, yay. So for a quarter of the month, almost probably a fifth of a woman's life, she was separated from the rest of society. I don't know if anybody has actually taken time to think about what that must mean, to be isolated from other people. Because of something that you actually had no control over. What type of psychological effect that may have had on those women? And to be honest, it wasn't really until modern times that women could sort of be integrated in society all year round, every day, every week. And then when, you know, I thought about it and I said, well, how did women treat that years ago? And look, it's only in relatively a short while ago that women have actually had the ability to move around freely during that cycle of the month. It's only been relatively freely that that's been able to happen. And, you know, I just shared a story, a BBC story, uh, this week about a man that brought cost-effective sanitary products to the women of India just recently because he saw the suffering and the the uh, alienation of women during, you know, during this time. I just shared that story this week. It was very interesting, uh, the process he went through to uh, create this product and to... You know, get women. He couldn't even get women to help him bring this about. His wife left him. Neighbor well, called him the, a pervert and crazy. And um, he just, his factory is up and running now, and his wife has come back to him. And, you know, he's made a big difference in a lot of women in in India's lives at this point. And that's just I, I, recent I, history. That's, that's some Odd but interesting fact. <laughs> well, I wanted, well, I wanted to, I wanted to show because I wanted to show, like I said, compare and contrast. Because sure. when we think about however bad life may seem today, I say, okay, go back 
roughly 100 years. As a matter of fact, go you could go back, first of all, 100 years ago, women didn't have a right to vote. You had no basically you had no say so in government. You were being governed. It was almost like a representation without with, representation. Taxation with no representation, absolutely. No almost. That's what it was. And that was less than a hundred years ago. Well, within that same period of time, roughly, women were had a, roughly seven days of the of the month that their public activity was curtailed. And you know, I just I just want to share this. I think it is important to see. Did you know that peat moss was a form of sanitary uh, product? I yeah. guess yes. Uh, yes, I, I I was aware of that. Did you know the term on the rag was literally because they saw the rags outside on the laundry line drying, and they knew Miss So and So was having her. How embarrassing! I know, and I thought about how, the how invasive. And that—that's—that's that's my grandmother. That's my, you know, great grandmother. It's not that long ago. Is my point. And then for for Black Americans who had slave ancestors, um, who had to go work regardless. Imagine the impact that that had on. Them. So. When we think about women and, the, you know, when we look at women today with the nails done, the brows done, the hair done, um, the shoes, the bags, the this and that, pretty much all gussied up, as we used to say back home. And however long it takes them to do that today, that really is a feat when you compare it to yesterday. And I guess one of the reasons for for talking about this today and as we go through the month in Women's History Month, hopefully we'll get some folks to come on and, and talk about some things that are associated with it. But we have come a long way, and women have come a long way, which means society has come a long way. And I always say that we should look back to our history. Sometimes it helps us appreciate where we are today a little bit better. When I hear people talk about how bad they have it, and in this case women, like, maybe so. Again, man, not for me to say. But I do know how bad it used to be. I have an idea. And if you're struggling with what you're going through today, if you're saying you cannot make it today, and, and maybe that's where you are. But I also want you to think about, so what you're telling me is you could not have survived 90 years ago. How did they do it? Because if they had not survived, we wouldn't be here. Hmm. So just food for thought. So we know that women have obviously had struggles, but yet they are still here. Uh, I wanted to, you know, sometimes when we talk about black people, right, we say to show our value to society, we say let's remove all of the things that black people have invented. 
all of the things that women have been facing. And how how would life be? So, for example, we know that a black person created the iron. For those of you who like your clothes looking fresh, just imagine not having iron. So, what some other things that women have invented that has changed life, changed society. And one of the things that that came to mind, Angela, is did you know that one of our famous actresses of the past helped win the war? Hmm. Can't say uh, that I knew this. I don't know if you she's an old time actress, but her name was Hedy La, uh Hedy Lamar. She was a pioneer in the field of wireless communication. Interesting. As a matter of fact, uh, that's how we got some of our technology we have today that even goes into our cell phones ultimately. She was the one who developed a secret communication system to help combat the Nazis during World War II, and it dealt with the manipulation of radio frequencies and making them come at irregular intervals during transmission and reception. It actually helped form an unbreakable code to prevent classified messages from being intercepted by the enemy. Very cool. Who run the world? Girls. Wow. That's right. So when we when we think about so so what we can say just from that invention alone, there's a TV show, it, it comes on uh, one of the cable networks, and it was called Man in the High Castle. And what it was talking about was what, what would the world have been like if the Axis powers had won World War II? In other words, what would it have been like if the Nazis and the Japanese had won World War II? And it shows that. And it does it quite vividly, but it's very well done, very professional. And I would encourage you all to watch that because we don't want history to repeat itself, and it's good to see it, especially in the times that we live in today. But I just wanted folks to know that we might be living in that today if the Nazis had been able to decrypt our secret transmissions of war had it not been for Hedy Lamar, who was more of a beauty and not seen as brains, because obviously if, if you were pretty, you couldn't be smart, right? Right. If, ah, if beauty is are, a disarmor in so many ways. And so I guess that's why I wanted to, to start off uh, with her. But, yes, that, that changed the course of history. Uh, how about this? The invention of the windshield wipers. Windshield wipers. Mary Anderson got the patent for windshield wipers. Very and it was, cool. It was a car window cleaning device. And she did it because of back in the day trying to travel. So you would have to open the, your your car window 
in order to see when it was raining. So she invented these swinging arm devices with a rubber blade that was operated by the driver from within the vehicle using a lever. So it was it was manual labor to have windshield wipers initially, but at least you didn't have to roll down. But it was the better than the, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was better than the alternative. Yeah, that is amazing. Who knew that a woman invented the windshield wipers? Gotta say, I didn't know that. Such and little then, modern conveniences. Uh, here's okay. one. How about the type, the electric typewriter? Really? They had well, didn't exact, exactly invent it, but think about years ago. Typing, administrative work, was very laborious. You, know, you had those big old heavy metal things, and you had to, you know, you had to hit those keys back then. As a matter of fact, I learned how to type as much as I learned. On a non-electric typewriter. Ooh, that was tough with the ribbons and uh, the keys. I tell you, it was tough. That's right. Well, you know what? Typing was good, but you couldn't really correct stuff. You know, if you typed it, you had to start typing all over. You'd have to line through it and your stuff looked all jacked up. But somebody invented the correctable typing ribbon. And she was a high school dropout. And her name was Betty Naismith Graham. That's amazing. Look how much time that saved. And it revolutionized typing. And for those who used to be secretaries and knew how much work was involved with typing, the last we're thing creating you a document. A yeah. Especially if you had to end, and all of a sudden, oops! And it was a big document. You had to go back and redo it. And redo that Liqu- whole thing. Liquid paper was this invention. You could go and you could go highlight this liquid paper. Let's um, use the liquid paper to highlight it on the paper. It would dry. You go back and type over it. I remember the first time I used liquid paper, I was just amazed. Now, mind you, this was invented like in 1924. But, well, not 1924, but it was, uh, she was born in 1924. This invention came back in uh, like in 1958. So I learned how to type in the in the 60s. So it hadn't been really widespread yet. But I remember when I first got it, I thought it was one of the best things that had ever happened. But women, this is the impact. And I'm just, I just, I mean, there's like this long list of you, of things that you could read off that women have invented or improved upon. And oftentimes, when you're doing tasks you figure out a way to make the task better. And like with Titan, this was a, that was a great example of it. So if you remove the things that women have invented, that women have done, created, if you remove that from our life today, 
and then you go out and try to live life, look how much different your experience in life would be. So this month, for Women's History Month, each week we're going to discuss women in history, uh, their their accomplishments, their places, and maybe if we can make it happen, culminate the show with the state of women. I don't hmm. know if that's going to be the final name of it, but what I would like to do is get some people from maybe the community, uh, some uh, some prominent women, and be cool. the state of women today. And that would be what cool. I would really like to do is not be in the show, but a listener like everyone else, because here's the thing. No matter how much I may try to be non-biased, <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to be biased about something because I'm not a woman. Yeah. And I'm not going to see everything. I would love Rodney. to have a show where we just have women. Absolutely. I mean, you're... Ex-military, I'm sure you had Cavalar Vest, yes? That's right. Invented by a woman, Miss Stephanie Wallach, Kowalik, K-W-O-L-E-K, invented in 1966. Cavalar uh, was then used in tires, crash helmets, and bulletproof vests. Uh, yeah, and, and the thing about this particular lady that you're talking about, mm-hmm. well, she was also one of the first women research chemists. This is in the 70s, or, well, the late 60s. The 60s, late 60s, yeah. The life raft was invented by Maria Beasley in 1882. Which obviously saved lives. Yeah. So when, when uh, we think about women have always, Contributed to the world May not have always Had the spotlight But they've always been a part of Um, Here's one Scotchgard Mm. Scotchgard By Patsy Sherman And it was a 3M invention In 1952 I got you How about the circular saw That was invented invented by Tabitha Babbitt in eighteen twelve. Eighteen twelve. Now think how about, about how, that revolutionized, how that revolutionized. Absolutely. Think about how that revolutionized the whole darn world. We wouldn't have all these fabulous buildings and 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 the the white picket fence. The theory of the white picket fence wouldn't have been possible without the white picket fence, which you need a saw to do. And we know the circular saw made all of that. A lot easier. Uh, here's one of my personal favorites, the dishwasher. This fabulous woman, <laughs> Josephine uh, Crockett, Crockett in uh, 1872, invented. Hey, weave off to Josephine because uh, she did that. She made my life easier. Okay. My hands look hey. fabulous. Thank you, Miss Josephine. And here's another reason why bringing women and supporting women and exposing girls to things is important because sometimes they were stovepipe. Now, I do believe in roles in society.
society and in relationships. So I'm not saying that they should not learn those things too. But it is when you expose people to different things, you never know where a person has a talent. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, Marion Donovan uh, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, when it talked about her, what I noticed is it said that an inventive spirit was instilled in her from hanging around her uncle and father in their manufacturing plant. And from that, ultimately, and and then again, uh, you know, children, diapers. You know, we talked about sanitary napkins. What about diapers? Mm-hmm. That was my girl. Children's diapers, they were small. The disposable yeah, diapers. When I was growing that uh, was Miss Marion Donovan she, in 1950. She invented the disposable diaper. And think about the date on that. This is stuff that was done not that long ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a disposable diaper was in my in my childhood because they weren't, you know, they hadn't spread to us yet. Because it's not like oh something's invented and it goes everywhere right now. Goes no. viral. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have viral. The they didn't have things going viral stuff. back then. <laughs> hey, here are two of my favorites because I'm a city girl and these two things are vital in any major metropolis. The elevated railway was invented by Mary uh, Walton in 1851, and the fire escape was Anna Conley in 1887. What would a city life be like, Rodney? You're from New York. I'm from Chicago. Two of the greatest rapid transit systems in the world. Those two cities, right? What would they be without those two ladies' contributions? Well, I I can tell you that getting around in New York, that train. (laughs) I tell you. uh, That made a huge difference. As a matter of fact, we need some light rail here in the valley. In the valley, in, in, I tell you. In in, in Las Vegas, um, you know, I want to want to tell you one that this this was kind of important to me because uh, when I was a, when I was a child, we didn't have much space, so we had these uh, different types of folding beds. And I want to show you how your beginning does not have to dictate your ending. Or your mm-hmm. potential, and Mrs. Miss Sarah Good, Sarah E. Good, G O O D E. Uh, she was the woman who invented the folding bed. Hmm. That was huge back then because you know we, when we see houses in America today, our houses are huge compared to how houses used to be. You know, you see the Waltons and you see that big old house. That was not the norm. So space, you know, houses were very small. Sometimes they were one room, maybe two rooms. Maybe two, And And so to have a bed, a bed takes up a lot of room. And, of course, you know, people had a bunch of children back then. So a folding bed made a huge impact on life in space availability. And And it was a black woman. Who had this invention? Interesting. So when you think think about women's contribution, it has been awesome. Well, you know what? Here's a good one. 
Ellen Fitz in 1875 invented globes. We literally gave you the world. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Medical syringe. Yeah, we gave you the world. Not only do we, you know, populate the world, but we we gave you a view of the world with the globe. You know, I do want to talk about Dr. Shirley Jackson. And I wanted to talk about her because she graduated from the college that I had always wanted to graduate from. And she graduated, uh, she was the first African-American woman to receive a Ph.D. from MIT in nuclear nuclear physics. The first woman, the first black woman from MIT. And a degree in nuclear physics. Hmm. Hmm. And we could just go on and on. I, I did want to share some things uh, with you all on women's contributions, why it's important that we recognize women, the many, the multitudes of vital roles that they have played and still play in our society today why we should honor our women as we would honor anyone else. And, yes, as I said earlier, I do believe in roles. I think they're important. But just as important, I do think that people should be exposed to things because you never know where their talent may lie. Right. And if you all would like to participate in what I hope will be our upcoming show towards the end of the month in women's history, where we just kind of talk about the state of women. You know, what is it? Where is it? A part of women is is uh, relationships, uh, marriage, work, education, uh, opportunities, business. Where do we stand in business? How many corporate CEOs do we have? What's the struggle? So, you know, I may have a struggle, but I'm a man, so... Though it may be similar, it may not be your struggle. Sometimes you may have struggles where we just simply do not have. And I can tell you one, let's say I had to produce the same amount of work every month, but seven days of the month I could not work. And I'm being compared to someone else who is has to produce that same amount of work but can actually work every day of the month. How much difference would that make on my life? How much more stress and strain, mental stress, physical strain on me to try to maintain the same level of production of my coworker? Think about that. So I don't see who would have ever thought in this time, that women have not had the right to vote or have only had the right to vote, depending on how you phrase it, for less than 100 years. But in that same time period, we are on the verge of having our first, and we don't know if it's going to happen, but potentially having our first female nominee of a major political party, and who knows 
if that happens, then we'll at least have the opportunity to become the first president, our first woman president. That's history, and it'll be history-making. And if it's not her, look at the ground that she will have paved for whoever it will be, just like Shirley Chisholm paved the way for her. Mm -hmm. And Shirley Chisholm paved the way for President Barack Obama. There always has to be, you know, most of the time these things don't spontaneously happen. It's a process. And who knows what areas that women are not in today that they will be in tomorrow because someone, be it male or female, laid that foundation for them today. Well, Angela, that pretty much does it for me for our show today. All right. Yep. I'm good. Happy birthday, Chicago. Happy Women's History Month. I am going to head over to UNLV to the Women's Film Festival. There's some events going on surrounding that. That's going And so I'm going to head over to check that out. All right. Well, next week, let us know what that was about as we continue to talk about uh, Women's uh, History Month and, right. and, ce- and celebrate it. So thanks to all of you for joining us today on Our Own Voices Live when the topic of our show was simply women. <laughs> Hopefully you'll join us uh, as we take this journey of women throughout the rest of the Saturdays in this month. And if you would like to contribute, please do you go to Our Own Voices Live and share some of your thoughts and opinions on women. We would love to hear it. If you know of a significant something that you would like to share, please post it so all of us can learn from it. And until next week, we will see you back here next Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 out east. And until then, be safe, uh, but enjoy yourself, and we'll see you back here then. Bye-bye.